Hello, CBP. Is your brewery looking to streamline and automate compliance? If you're distributing in multiple states, you already know the difficulties stacked against you. For more than 15 years, Sovos Ship Compliant has been helping breweries avoid compliance and tax mistakes that risk fines, losses, and unwanted scrutiny. Whether you're selling through the three-tier system or have ventured into direct-to-consumer shipping, they have solutions to take your focus off tax and regulatory compliance, allowing you to focus on what matters, your beer. If you're ready for worry-free protection from beverage alcohol compliance risk, reach out to Sovos Ship Compliant today at sovos.com slash ship compliant. Cheers. Hello, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed our fall 22 virtual conference. It's our sixth virtual conference. Huge thanks to our wonderful presenters for being willing to share your insight and experiences. Huge thanks to ABS Commercial, Pneumatic Scale Angeles, CO2 Meter, and all our industry partners. And a huge thanks to you for believing in CBP. I'm excited to be joined today with Marcus Baskerville of Weathered Souls Brewing Company. Marcus, what's been the highlight of your day so far? What's up, Andrew? How are you doing today? Great to see you. One of these days, we'll actually do this face-to-face. -face. <laughs> I know, huh? At some point, we're going to have to get past the Zoom calls, right? 100%. Uh, let's see. Highlight of my day today would probably be getting our Uncle Nearest release together. So we were one of the first breweries uh, to receive Uncle Nearest barrels. For those unfamiliar with Uncle Nearest, they're a Tennessee-based whiskey company. Uh, the story is, is that they're... Um, individual that it is named after was the original person that taught Jack Daniels. And so um, being that we are two minority brands, uh, we kind of synergy together a while ago. And then I brought Brockton Brewing from Boston in, and we did a collaboration on a big body stout. And now we're about 14 and a half months later. And so pulled that out of barrels today and added um, some coffee from Deadstock out of Portland, Oregon. Uh, they're another black minority brand. Um, for those unfamiliar, he actually used to be a Nike designer, uh, shoe designer, and decided that he wanted to make coffee for a living. Um, so to get those, the four of our brands together and, and do a fun little synergy beer uh, that will release our Prohibition Night this week. Um, it's San Antonio Beer Week also. So we're going to do a, like a fun pre-prohibition night uh where we're gonna put out like a red light make it like a speakeasy vibe we gotta have a password to get in uh we're gonna have casino tables some whiskey pours and some beer cocktails so it should be a fun night that sounds like an amazing collaboration with so much purpose behind it i'm looking forward to it for you all it sounds like a good time especially that prohibition pre-prohibition night yeah it should be fun um I actually moved back my trip. I'm supposed to be going to Vegas this weekend, go hang out with the Beer Zombie crew. Uh, we have a tap takeover at Mabel's Barbecue inside of the Palms. Um, but because of this event, I decided to uh, skip a day. And so, Well, I'm glad we're hanging out right now. So, Marcus, last fall, we ended our fall virtual conference with Mariah and Sam from Dogfish Head. We talked a lot about, you know, raising a family while building their brand. And towards the end of their conversation, they busted out their Halloween costumes on camera. And it was absolutely amazing. I mm -hmm. don't expect you to jump into a Halloween costume right now, but I know you've got kids. So what are yes. you going to be for Halloween? Um, so, yeah, I have two daughters, a five-year-old and a three-year-old, Niara and Nova Sky. Um, those are the absolute joys of my life. Um, I'm also on pickup duty, so every day, uh, regardless what I have to do at the brewery, I leave about 2.30, go pick up Nova, and then we go wait in line for about 45 minutes and pick up Niara. And then if I need to go back to work after that, then I head back to work. Um, if not, then we go home, help Niara with her homework, which I'm really proud of Niara. So my friend got put into an advanced program uh, for schooling. It's like one of those fast track programs for college. Um, so at five years old in kindergarten, they're having tests, exit exams, uh, they have homework, um, all of these things associated where I'm like, man, this is too much for a five-year-old. Um, and so at a certain point, we thought that our child, you know, was struggling because certain things she wasn't catching on to and, and various things like that. But my baby's got three A's and a B, so I can't be too mad. And the only person I was mad at about my daughter getting the B was the teacher. Because why are we finding out that she got an 85 
and all of her other classes, she had 100, and it's like, well, she had 85, 15 points for me. That's a big discrepancy. So this is something that you should have probably brought up to us well before the semester was over. Um, so needless to say, the teacher got a, a nice stern email last night um, because I wasn't really too happy about that, but my baby's doing fantastic in school. Um, and then it's interesting you bring up family. So this week I started a new book. Uh, Audible listening to um, Kevin Hart's How to Tame Your Monsters um, and What to Do About Them. So my dad recently read that as well and shared really great things. I'd love to hear your perspective. Yeah, um, so I'm not done. Um, I'm about five or six chapters in, um, but it has really put things in perspective for me, especially dealing with how busy I am as an individual, um, you know, uh, the time that, how much time I spend away from my family and kind of how to value those those aspects more. Um, even looking at, you know, some of the, the different things that I find that they do wrong. And in reality, I'm the one who's wrong. Um, and so seeing these different clarifying points this week um, has been a big, you know, kind of relief off my shoulders in a sense, because it's made me, you know, in a sense, kind of value my family more, but then also, in the same sense, realize that I have some things that I need to work on myself and, you know, take the steps to actually do it. Um, there were a couple of ones that really stuck with me that um, that kind of wavered. Um, the main ones that really got me were the approval monster. Um, and they talked about how you seek other people's approvals or you seek other people's, um, you know, wanting value out of other things that people present you, but you don't necessarily need that all the time. And as brewers and people in the, the industry, we see that all the time. Um, I mean, and I can even say that as of literally yesterday, you know, we released this new beer and, you know, I'm giving little samples to people at the bar and it's just like, you want their feedback and their approval for this said item. And it's like, you know, the beer is good. So you necessarily need that extra approval, probably not. Um, but even getting into at home life and, and different things like that and um, like for the sense of just like needing a thank you. So for instance, over the course of this weekend, we had some family over and I chefed it up for nine different people in my house. So individual plating, I did a uh, fried polenta cake with um, like a shrimp scampi with bacon and green onions and scallions and all that fun stuff. Um, so cooked for nine people, right? So. Mind you, the people that came and visited were all, you know, thank you, this is fantastic, one of the best meals we've had, like even, you know, impressive kids, the kids ate it, you never know, kids are going to eat bougie stuff, but what ended up making me mad by the end of the night was at the end of the night, uh, me and my wife go to the room, and I have a pair of shorts on the bed from earlier that day. And so her reaction is to throw the shorts at me. Why are these on the bed? Throw them away. Me, I'm exhausted, right? I just cooked for nine people. I did the grocery shopping. I cleaned the kitchen afterwards, you know, like make cookies with the daughter so everybody can have dessert. Like all you had to do was just turn around and put the shorts in the closet. And so I had a little bit upset. And, you know, the anger lasted for a little longer than what it needed to is seeking that approval and wanting that thank you. But at that time, did I really need that approval and thank you? No. Is it something that should have lingered, you know, within the course of the day into the next day? No, it wasn't really that serious. I could have just put the shorts away. Um, so that was one of the things, like, it, as he's speaking, it makes you realize these certain situations that, that you kind of go through. Um, another one would be the me first monster. So another thing that I realized yesterday. So going and having to pick up Miara yesterday, um, it was report card day. So instead of sending the report card with your child or uploading it in the app we have to pay for or mailing it, you wanted us to park, get out of the car, line up, go inside of the school, sign for it, and receive it. Again, I'm a very busy person, you know, depending on what I have to do during the week. And so at this point, I had a event with, um, with uh, Osner and Untapped yesterday um, that I needed to meet them back at the brewery. And so I'm over here fuming upset in line that You're I- You're sweating the minutes, I'm sure. Yeah, waiting in line, like, man, over here upset, calling the wife and stuff. I can't believe they have us doing this. And it's like, 
really? Like, I can't just call this person and say, hey, I'm going to be late. Like, you know, is it really this big of a deal type of situation, especially how much I already do beer-wise? Like, is it going to really take, you know, extra, that extra 15 minutes that you're spending that you can ask your, your daughter teacher questions and make sure she's doing okay and, and different little things like that, which, you know, like I told you earlier, she's doing amazing. But, you know, you, you come to those realizations that, there's certain things that you do or quirks that you have or, you know, situations that bring you into certain places and you don't necessarily need to. Um, and so listening to that, because I'm not really a big Kevin Hart fan, um, it's been a, a huge um, surprise blessing this week to be able to kind of receive some of that information. So after listening to his book so far, how are you going to better pick and choose your battles? You know, whether with your child's, you know, preschool teacher or just whatever well, else you may face. Um, I am trying to be on the course of a more positive vibe. Sit back, breathe, think about it for a second, and then go from there. I'm usually an actionary person. Um, you know, you react, react instantly type of thing. And so I have very little time for the things that I regurgitate out of my mouth or the actions that, that I take. And so just taking that extra step back and thinking about the things that you've been presented to you this week so you can kind of weigh them in different ways um, are definitely going to assist me in the future. So I have, I have a three-year-old as well, and his first parent-teacher conference, it's so weird that I'm going to a parent-teacher conference, is, is this Friday, and I can't wait. But if I feel the urge to get upset at all, I'm just going to think of you, take a deep breath, and bite my tongue if that moment happens. <laughs> so, Marcus, what does your daughter want to be when she grows up? So, um, she has, so the oldest has a couple of things she wants to be. One, she wants to be a superhero. Two, she wants to be a doctor. And then um, she also wants to be a dancer. Um, Niara is a very dramatic individual. Um, so something I actually want to do is get her into like theater. Um, we recently went to a play, um, uh, Junie B. Jones. And so now we're reading the Junie B. Jones series. And just the fact that she can act out the things in the book and just as dramatic as she is, I think that's something that we need to harvest as parents. Um, her creativity in that sense. And then uh, the youngest, she really hasn't gotten into much about what she wants to be yet, but she knows she likes hanging out with daddy. So the oldest uh, was the original one who used to come around the brewery and help out. And she's done yeast pitches. Uh, she's added specialty ingredients to beer, dry hopping. Uh, she's done hydrometer readings. Uh, she's participated in every single, so every year we do a girls' pine out uh, women's brew day, and she's participated in every year uh, since we've done that, so four years in a row. Uh, but now the youngest, she came and hung out with me one day when she didn't want to, and now it's every day. Daddy, can I come to the brewery with you? So she might be the one to, to follow in dad's footsteps and get into the beer industry, not that that's necessarily what I want for her, but... We'll no, I love it. I remember when my son Max first said the word beer, I was like so proud and excited at the same time. But then like part of me was like, oh my gosh, should he know this word at age one and a half? So I guess what I'm curious about for you is Marcus, you know, when did you first like introduce beer and what it was to your children in your life? And how did you do it in a safe manner to like teach about the process, the environment? Yeah. How did you handle uh, that? So the oldest... She started crawling. Uh, I found out she was crawling because of beer. Um, one day I had was drinking a beer while we were at home during the daytime, and her mom was at work. And so I had to go to the bathroom. So I ran to the bathroom, and mind you, the beer was nowhere near her. I set it on the ground, but it was nowhere near her. She's on the other part of the room on her blanket. He's not into it. Imperial Stout yeah. yet. Watching, watching Sesame Street, and at that point, she wasn't crawling. You know, she was rolling over, trying to roll places and stuff, but she wasn't crawling. I get back from using the bathroom. It had literally maybe two minutes come back and the beer spilled over and she's sitting in front of the beer. And it's like, wait a second. How, how did you, what? And then so a couple of days later, um, same thing. Me and her mom were sitting on the ground uh, having a beer and here she comes crawling towards the beer. Um, and so for her, that introduction came very early. Um, but once they started uh, coming around the brewery, the first thing that we taught was safety, right? 
So no running around the brewery. You can't just do what you want here. You need to stay with me or your mom or one of the adults, the type of thing like that. Um, Brew floor is not a place to play with. Hot water, chemicals that can hurt you or kill you. Um, so you need to go ahead and stay away from that unless you're with daddy and, you know, you have your brew boots. They do have their own brew boots and different things like that. Um, and then as far as the consumption of beer, um, being a brewer is crazy because I don't drink that much. Um, so they see us consume, but not over consumption, you know? And so we talk about that and, you know, Hey, um, it's okay once you're of age to have beer and, even then, getting into with Niara, the oldest, she has science. So I've been breaking down the science of beer for her. Not necessarily on how to make it, but some of the aspects of dealing with the enzymes and stuff like that. What yeast does sugar, you know, stuff like that, that she can kind of get excited about. Uh, but ha also have that deeper understanding, not knowing that she's having that understanding. And then as far as the youngest goes, like I said, she likes hanging around. Um, so now she's starting to go through some of those same lessons that her sister already went through uh, prior to her. That's a really cool approach you have, Marcus. And it's interesting that you mentioned Niara. You said either a superhero, but she also has a science interest. I know my son, when I ask him what he wants to be when he grows up right now, he tells me he wants to be Marshall from Paw Patrol. So I feel like anyone listening <laughs> will either not get that or know exactly what we're yeah, talking right? about. Yeah. But like looking at you, like when you were a kid, Marcus, what did you want to be when you grew up? When I, I used to want to be a lawyer. Uh, my my aunt, actually, I talked to her not too long ago, and she always jokes about, like, I remember when you were younger, you always wanted to sue somebody. <laughs> and I always wanted to be a lawyer. Um, all the way um, up until about high school, when you realized how much school was involved with becoming a lawyer. And, you know, things kind of shifted from there. But, yeah, originally I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I had the other thing that I wanted to be as a child, um, I wanted to be an assassin. I was a big Kung Fu fan, karate fan. Um, my parents weren't one of those kind of people that filtered what we watched when we were younger. You know, I'm five years old watching horror movies and the same thrillers as them and different things like that. And I remember for the longest time, I wanted to become like a government agent and be an assassin. How far <laughs> along that path did you get before you realized it maybe not be the right course? Um, high school, uh, when I almost toyed with going into the military. And then I said, no, black man, you don't have to the military. And I did not make that journey. Um, but originally, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, even growing up in Sacramento, I knew they had a, a FBI, um, you know, spot in Sacramento. And so that was something that I really, for the longest time, wanted to do. I mean, I even had my black belt in Taekwondo. Like, I've got a black belt in karate. I love it. Yeah, I was, I was ready for it back then. But, you know. I can just imagine you going to your like guidance counselor and say, Marcus, what are you going to do with your life? I'm going to be an assassin. Right. <laughs> so you didn't end up being an assassin. You didn't end up being a lawyer. You ended up in fraud management in San Antonio, Texas, working for Citibank, right? Yeah. Um, that sounds so, like a logical next step. Big difference. Um, well, it took a while to get there. Um, so I had did banking. I had worked for cell phone company. Um, you know, a lot of those average kind of pay you $17, $18 an hour jobs type of thing, you know, in your early 20s uh, situation. And then with Citibank, um, I had started working there as a temp agent, uh, temp actually, and then came on as a regular employee and worked my way up. Uh, one of the things that they had gave me an offer of doing when I first started there was they had created like... Um, this new program within uh, detecting frauds at certain times. But then what I ended up doing with that was expanding on that project and actually created, started creating different policies and procedures on how to detect fraud for Citibank, um, in which those are some of the policies that they still use now. Uh, my wife actually was still working there just a couple of years ago. Um, so it's interesting that they use some of these written policies and stuff that I created on how to detect fraud. Um, and so, they gave me the opportunity to come out here and do some training when they moved the corporate office. 
And then when I was leaving, hey, you want to stay? And I had never been anywhere different. Let's take the opportunity and see what San Antonio has to offer. And, you know, I worked for Citibank for another four years. Um, once I had moved here, um, you know, made myself up to higher management and still did uh, fraud policies and, you know, used to uh, do a lot of the, the corporate fraud policies. But what uh, did you learn from that job that you still think about in your life today? Don't micromanage. I hate micromanaging. I hate people that micromanage. It's it's the worst thing. And I always tell my employees, like, you, you guys know what you have to do when you guys come in every day. You're an adult. The worst experience I had when I was at Citibank was I had to have a discussion with two employees. And it was two women who were bickering and fighting with each other. One was 68 years old, the other one was 70. And at this time, I'm still in my, like, 20s, 26 at that time, 27 maybe. And I walk into the meeting and it's like, you women are older than my mom. Why am I having to have a discussion with you right now on how to conduct yourselves at work? And that's how I literally started the conversation. And from there, I knew I wanted to get out of corporate because I just didn't have the mentality for it whatsoever. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that, that definitely doesn't sound like something I want to deal with either. So you're planning the brewery while you're working at Citibank. You open the brewery when you work at Citibank. You know, was it that micromanaging you witnessed or what gave you the courage to finally leave your full time job to go completely all in on beer? It was a grand opening, actually. Uh, we had a very successful grand opening. And when I first started out, um, I think I gave my wife, a, I think I told her six to eight months after we opened. And then I would consider quitting Citibank. Um, but as much beer as we ran through that first weekend and just the excitement that the city had for us, um, I knew it was going to be something that I was going to have to devote my time to. And I ended up quitting the next week. Wow. Did it somewhat feel like approval when you saw much that much beer being sold at that grand opening? Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, the approval monster. So, yeah, having the approval of your, your customers and, and at least knowing that you're headed in the right direction or have something going within that range. So that would definitely have been one of the reasons. Now, when you told her that you were quitting Citibank, how scary was that for both of you? <laughs> uh, very. <laughs> But one thing I can say about uh, her, she has been very supportive from the jump. I mean, she brought me my first, like, heavy-duty brew kettle, um, you know, to kind of push me within the, the home brewing realm. And, you know, when I wanted to start kind of uh, upping what I was doing within that. Um, but then even then, you know, the, the points of where I've grown tired and have been exhausted and don't necessarily see the light at the end of the tunnel, um, she's always been that individual that has kind of gave me that extra boost to, to keep going. Um, I mean, obviously, she has some investment in it at this point, right? But um, it's been one of those things that she's definitely been supportive in um, what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, you know, they're, for the most part, you know, it, it, at the Black is Beautiful height, um, with all the traveling and uh, different little things like that, um, you know, there, there were some discretions um, with taking me away from the family and taking me away from the kids and that wearing on us because there's the lack of communication and, and things like that. But, you know, since then, we've been able to work on that. And, and kind of well, I definitely it. think there's some challenges being in the industry, having children challenging, you know, things don't always go as planned and it's hard to explain the situation when you're not there. You know, I, I know recently we were hosting a workshop here in Virginia. My wife's texting me, you know, Andrew, when are you coming home? At that point in time, you know, I was going to be leaving in 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And everybody else said, we're going to the bar next door for somewhat of an after party at this little speakeasy. And I said, no, 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 I, I can't go. But then I said, well, if everybody's going and everybody agrees, then I'm going to go. But you lose that communication with one person and go with the others. And you know, it's hard to handle that, especially when you're not face to face. That's interesting. So that's why you need to listen to the Kevin Hart book, because that was the me first monster. And he gave a very similar uh, story into relation of, relation of that. You should check it yeah, out. Yeah, I think communication is so important. And, yeah. you know, you've been so busy the past few years. 
how have you been able to disconnect and intentionally spend time with your family and, you know, separate yourself from Black is Beautiful, from the brewery, from beer? You know, how do you make yourself intentionally disconnect? I've had to tell myself, um, one of the things that I've always had an issue with is saying that. So now I've had the benefit of learning the word no. And the other thing is, is that I give myself time. So if it's uh, one of the things that I've also started listening to is this podcast called Dad Work. And uh, that Dad Work? Uh huh. Dad Work. And, um, you know, kind of just those things to deal with on how to be a better father. Um, like one of the things I noticed I've raised my voice at, at my kids a couple of times. And it's like, do I really need to do that? No. And so I haven't raised my voice in months. Um, but, you know, looking at other aspects, um, one of the things is spending, you know, 15 minutes with each child individually. So that's something that I try to do now. Um, every day I come home, uh, Niara, she gets homework time with me, and then she gets Junie B time at the end of the night. Um, Nova, she likes playing with her Paw Patrol toy. She's a Paw Patrol fan, so we play Paw Patrol, and then she's been getting into doing some homework and stuff like that. But taking those each individual times with them so they can have that just personal daddy time um, I make a very strong point to let them know that I love them. So every morning, evening, whatever the case may be. Um, but then also um, allowing myself time to decompress. Um, that's one of the main things, especially for, for brewers and individuals that put in so much time to their, to their businesses. You need to decompress or, you know, it's not going to work out. Um, so for me, it's that 30, 45 minutes to an hour that I spend on the Peloton and you know, um, being able to work out and, and kind of better myself. Um, I had reached a point to where I was like 241 pounds uh, dealing with like, this is like peak, black and beautiful time just because of the amount of work, travel, and, you know, always eating bad and that type of thing. And so um, got a bike and lost a bunch of weight and then got to about 218 and then started to climb back up again. Um, and so now I have an actual Peloton and every single, so I'm three weeks on to that bike and every single ride I've ended up having a new personal result. Um, but just having that motivation, you know, seeing the leadership board, uh, you know, I'm a very competitive person, which goes back to the, the can't go backwards monster with Kevin Hart. And that's a whole nother, you know, thing that I have to work on, but I'm a very competitive person. And so being on that leaderboard and, and seeing myself climb those ranks have, have motivated me. I mean, my legs literally went numb the other day. I couldn't feel them working out, but I'm like, I can't stop. I had a PR today. And, you know, so being able to hit those points um, have definitely helped me relax. And then I've also started yoga and meditation. Um, so these are all things that are available on the Peloton app. And just taking that five minutes in the morning uh, for the morning meditation, five minutes at night, you know, for the nighttime meditation, or taking that 15 minutes, uh, the 30 minutes for yoga and just the deep breathing and relaxing and stretching. Like, it's, it, it has been a change to my life. Like, so I've got two questions for you about that. Relaxed after. How early do you have to wake up to get started to do all that? Um, so I actually like working out in the evenings. Um, typically when I work out in the mornings, I have like a burst of energy like throughout the day and then like two o'clock hits and it's just. Um, so for me, I actually like working out in the evening. The wife gets off at five o'clock. So typically my favorite rides are around 6 p.m., 5.30, 6 p.m. for my favorite instructors. Um, so I usually catch those. And then, you know, uh, so that's homework time in between for the kids. We get home about 4 o'clock. So things around uh, prep dinner. Um, and then, yeah, bike. And then meditation is five minutes before bed. And then if I want to do yoga, that's usually 30 minutes before bed, um, which has been really good for me. So you mentioned one thing that you've gotten better at over the past few years is saying no. So when that email comes in right before you're supposed to have your Peloton class, how have you got yourself used to not jumping on that fire you have to put out at the brewery, but taking that time for yourself? Is that a oh, challenge? No, it's been for the last couple of years. This no thing has just been for like the last few days. Um, this is something that's newly discovering for me. No, typically, um, 
if it's something brewery related, uh, that's typically the priority. Now, um, I have started the whole thing like with some of the staff because you come in and then they ask you questions and then it's like, would you ask me this question if I wasn't here? What would you do in this instance if I wasn't here? I've had to start raising that question sometimes, even when I'm not there. Like, just send the text and what would you do if I wasn't if I wasn't available at this time, and see and let them act on their own because at the end of the day, you know, I like to micromanage, and I think people can be very responsible for the things that they need to do, and especially the employees that have been here for a long time. Like, you know what you should should do, um, and so also getting into overexerting myself, so that type of no, you know, they're were a point to where I was gone six out of the eight weeks. So it was a two month span and I was gone for three weeks, came home for a week, was gone for another three weeks, came home for a week and then was gone for a week. Um, so being able now to say, no, I'm not going to that festival or no, I'm not going to that conference or no, I can't speak at this or this um, has been something that I've had to start weighing in because before it was about building the the Black is Beautiful brand and, and building, you know, the, the momentum behind it and, and growing. But then also I got to worry about my own personal health and family and, you know, got to worry about my own business in a sense. And so I realized that sometimes you have to take a step back and kind of gauge what's important, what's not important, and then kind of go from there. Oh, wow. That's deep. And it's so hard to say no sometimes. I know it's something that I struggle with, too, because... I want to do so many things at once and we don't have time for everything at once, especially when you have a family. I think that's the biggest challenge for me in my life. You know, once I had my son, it changed everything. It changed how I managed my time. It changed who I said yes or no to. It just changed where my focus was and having that dedicated time and the ability to say no, it's so hard. I mean, looking back at all the people you've you know thought about saying no to recently, how did it feel when you told them you couldn't do something? You feel bad like, <laughs> instantly you feel bad and it's like ah, and then you keep waiting on it maybe i should go oh no i shouldn't uh because you don't want to disappoint people um and then you know like certain situations you grow a reputation for oh he comes and does this or you know you want him here for this and then it's like oh well i'm not going to be able to make it um and so that disappointment factor is there and so you feel bad um but that's a whole nother step is going and saying no and then not feeling bad and continuing on. And that's going to be something else I'll be working on. Well, good luck with that one. And I know when we first got on this call, we said we were going to keep it extremely positive, but here we are talking about no's and things like that. And, you know, there's something else I want to dive into. And you've given me one book to read today, the Kevin Hart book. I definitely need to dive into but a while back, I posted in CBP, I shared whatever I was reading and said, you know, what should I read next? Or what are you currently reading or enjoying? And you shared that you were reading Chasing Failure by Ryan Leak. Is that a book you read recently? Yep. Yes, sir. And I, I've ordered it. I, I need to read it. And I'm hugely passionate about learning from mistakes. So everything you've said today and just trying to look at your life and what you can do better, it really, really resonates with me. So, you know, this book, Chasing Failure, why did you love it so much enough to recommend it? Um, so it was a surprise book. My sister sent it to me. Uh, it was something that she read. My sister teaches mental resilience for the military. Um, and then she, what she wants to do is teach mental resilience for uh, sports players actually um so that's something that she's currently working on something just happened to my screen so i hope you can still see me you still hear you loud and clear okay um so seeing that book um she sent it to me after she read it and it was one of those things because again i'm a very competitive person and so i got to realize that sometimes it's okay to fail it's okay to not hit it the first time but what the most important aspect is is the keep trying aspect the learning and growing from the failure is the most important aspect. So if you go ahead and fail on something, if you're not successful around that time, what can you take from that for the next step of when you want to grow into what you do next? Um, and so being able to read that and this gentleman, you know, trying out for an NBA team in his late 20s and, you know, going through that experience, but what it led to him, uh, led to for him um, within that journey, um, definitely resonated and so being able to listen to that man's experience 
uh, definitely helped out in a sense um, with me realizing that I don't have to be successful in every single thing that I do. You know, it's steps, right? If something doesn't necessarily work out the first time, take what you learned from it, grow from it, and then utilize that into what you do next. Yeah, I think it's extremely important we learn from our failures. And, you know, looking at the past few years, I mean, you opened a brewery in 2016, correct? Yes, sir. And now we're in 2022. You know, what's an example from your early days of Weathered Souls of something that perhaps failed or didn't go as planned that you learned from? Um, let's see. That's a good question. I would say uh, the personality types that you bring around you. Um, that's definitely one of the, the things that you can learn from. You look at certain aspects when you're hiring, uh, certain aspects when you want to bring people in, and that necessarily isn't the case. Um, you know, you look for certain experiences within people or, you know, um, people that bring certain aspects that you look for to bring into your business. Uh, but looking at employees that have filtered through, management that has filtered through, and, and the people who have stayed, um, I think it's more so important um, to recognize those individuals that care about your brand um, as the most important aspect and then roll them within their perspective roles. Um, and so I think that will probably be some of the biggest things for us with Weathered Souls. Uh, luckily, knock on wood, we haven't had too many big hits to us outside of COVID, um, but everybody felt that. Um, and so, you know, at least every year for us, we were always, you know, trending up, up into COVID. Um, and so looking at what we've been doing and kind of how we navigate within the, the industry really has been good for us. Yeah, I think it's so important to surround yourself by the right people and those who align with what you stand for in your mission. And, you know, when you hire new people, Marcus, at Weathered Souls, are there certain, you know, I don't want to say characteristics or adjectives you're necessarily looking for in a person? Like if you had to describe that ideal candidate, and I know it varies by different roles that they play in, but for as a person, are there certain aspects of that person that you're looking for? Um, I like people who take responsibility, uh, people who strive for more, um, people who are non-complacent. Um, individuals that care about your brand. Um, so, you know, they're not just here. I mean, everybody's here to make money, right? I mean, that's the ultimate goal of having a job is to make money. We understand that. But, you know, there are those individuals that care more than just the making money and they care how the brand grows and they care how your brand trends. You know, they taste the beer. Hey, this wine isn't clean. Who didn't clean the wines? Thank you for paying attention to that. But then you have those people that don't care, that don't even try the beer in the morning when they come in and, oh, we're just going to throw everything on tap and, and those type of situations. So I think those people that always take the extra mile, that always show that deeper um, commitment uh, to the brand, um, to what you're trying to accomplish, will always outweigh some of the other things um, related to what you look for with job hunting. No, I think that's a great thing. Now, when you talked about earlier, you posed the question to your staff, what would you do if I wasn't here? What would you do without me? And it definitely gets your staff thinking more independently and being prepared. But how do you make sure your team's giving your staff the proper tools to know how to handle those situations when, you know, you're out with your kids, you're giving a speech, you have your phone yeah. off or hiking or something. How do you make sure they have those? It's always an upwards battle for sure. And I'm trying to get better at instructionals and SOPs and, and all of that fun stuff. Um, and so we've realized that when I'm not around, like, oh, shit, we're kind of in trouble when Marcus isn't here. Or if we can't get a hold of him for 24, 48 hours, uh, there's some pertinent things that can't get accomplished. Um, so we have recognized some of those things. And... I've kind of moved some responsibilities around, but then also um, creating SOPs, creating tracking, uh, more accountability and stuff like that has been something that we've definitely been working on over the course of these last two years or so. Does like SOPs and just the accountability take you back to your Citibank days at all? Exactly. Luckily, I did enough of them where I could sit there and write them. They're not fun, but 
you know, at least I have the, the structure behind it. So for me, like I always have like a little notebook by the side of my desk where I'll carry with me while I'll write down all these crazy ideas or I'll be out with my wife and I'll say, hey, Stacy, can you please text me this right now or email me because I don't have my phone on me because I don't want to forget. Do you have any ideas that go through your head these days, whether it's a crazy dream that may happen 25 years from now or just some passion project that you would love to dive into or just an activity you want to do with your kids? You know, is there that one idea in your head that you wish you could do right now? Uh, so the thing that I've been wanting to do, um, for the children at least is get them to Disneyland. My kids are big Disney fans, big Disney princess fans, that type of thing. Um, and so we're going to go home later this Chris or later this year for Christmas and, uh, hang out with the bottle logic crew and get to go to Disneyland because my kids don't know about Disneyland. They know that there's a castle. They know that there's the Disney princesses and they get to hang out, but they're very unfamiliar with actual Disneyland. So this is going to be like a, an amazing experience for them to be able to go and kind of experience that for the first time and, and that type of thing. Well, I love it. I'm sure it'll be an amazing experience. And the look you get when you're with your children and they just share that pure excitement. Recently, you know, I, I took my son Max to a monster truck show and like okay. a monster truck show. Have you ever been to one? I have not, uh, but so, my eight-year-old nephew is a fan of them. In my past life, I used to work at all kinds of crazy events, monster truck being one of them. So I've been around it a bit of the time. So I really wasn't necessarily looking forward to going to the show with him. But when you get there, you see the look in their eyes. He's doing the trucks doing their crazy jumps they have ridiculous names there's a laser light show you know you just feel that sense of joy mm -hmm. and then after we got home i said hey max you know what was your favorite part of the monster truck show and i expected him to say the trucks the jumps yeah. the light just the overall excitement or the ridiculous things you expect marcus but what he told me it kind of blew my mind he told me that the favorite part of the monster truck show for him was the popcorn and like, I'm like scratching my head on this one. I'm like, Max, why is the popcorn your favorite part of the experience? And what he told me, he told me rainy days and movies. So a little backstory. When we have rainy days here in Virginia, my wife will make him popcorn. They'll throw chocolate chips on it. They'll throw marshmallows on it and they'll watch a movie together. So okay. it like wasn't even about the monster truck show that popcorn took him to a whole separate experience. And the fact that he had that association and like, it truly blew my mind. And, you know, it makes you feel like, Oh my gosh, this is a special moment for that, that child right there. And it was just a really heartwarming experience. And I imagine when your kids go to Disneyland, they're going to have that same feeling and you seeing that look on their faces, it's probably going to blow your mind. Yeah. Plus, I'm a little excited for myself to hit some of the uh, attractions. <laughs> what I mean, are you most looking forward to when you go there? Star Wars, Star Wars fans. So uh, to be able to check out the Resistance, that type of experience for me. What have you learned from Star Wars that you've applied to your life in craft beer? That's a good question. Probably nothing. Um, I'm a huge comic book nerd, um, and so I just like some of the, the little fun aspects of, like, the whole just overall sci-fi, um, but I'm a huge Marvel fan, um, still read comics to this day type of situation, um, and so I think for me, it's more so just the kind of, like, nostalgia from your childhood type of thing. It kind of brings you back into that setting of, of being young, being a kid. Uh, you know, for those 30 minutes you sit there and read a comic or the 30 minutes you sit there and watch one of the little Marvel series, like, you know, it's a, a whole just different realm that you're in for that little bit of moment where you don't have to focus on anything else. That's a really good point, because I think having that escape is really important. It, it, for you, it sounds like you have quite a bit of things you dive into when you're not in the craft beer world. I tried to, um, you know, I've had to realize that I was spending too much within craft. Um, you know, at a certain point within my career, I was the only one here that was brewing and uh, working in production outside of having like some assistance. Um, and so at that point I was working anywhere from 60, 70 hours a week. Um, Black is Beautiful came along and it was one of those things as well where, you know, I was working pretty much 
16 hours a day for the course of the day outside of sleep. Uh, some days I wouldn't even see my children. Um, and so within these last about year or so, I've had to create a balance for myself, uh, for me, myself and my family. Uh, you know, otherwise, you know, there are certain situations that when you start taking yourself away from family, when you start uh, taking yourself away from being able to communicate with the ones who you live with, um, you know, it can put you in situations to where uh, there's not a lot of happiness within the home. Um, and so you have to make those adjustments for, for the best of you and your family if you want to still keep your family. So, um, you know, I, I had to make some of those adjustments for the betterment of, of me and my wife and, you know, kind of keep her happy. And keep those shorts off the bed, right, Marcus? Yeah, and keep those shorts off the bed. So looking at what's going on in your world in craft beer right now, I mean, you're getting ready to open up a tap room in Charlotte, North Carolina. How excited are you for that? Um, I think I'll have excitement of once we open. Uh, we were originally supposed to open November 5th, um, but we just got an email from my business partner that there's been a couple snags. I haven't got to talk to him on the phone yet, but we'll see what's going on with that. But, you know, it's always the, the one thing after another trying to get open. Uh, luckily for me, um, I've been able to focus more here in San Antonio and uh, producing and getting ready for the opening. And he's been more of the traveler to Charlotte and working on the construction, getting things ready, working with all the vendors to get things set up and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I haven't had to deal with too many of the stresses of the new location quite yet. Uh, they fell more on my business partner's shoulders, uh, which I'm grateful for. Um, but that man has definitely been stressed. Um, and so hopefully we reach a place very soon where we can get a solid date on opening and uh, hopefully, you know, the stars start aligning for us with that. That's really exciting. And you've mentioned your partner a bit. You know, what's a tip that you would give to another brewery owner who has a partner about balancing that relationship? Um, it's an interesting thing uh, because me and Mike, we were uh, really good um, associates, friends prior to us opening. We used to hang out a lot, go out drinking and stuff like that. Um, even to the course of opening in the first couple of years, uh, him and his wife would come over and, you know, we'd have dinner, we'd go out for drinks, they'd invite us over and, and those types of things. Um, but one of the things that I got really tired of was being at dinner or having dinner and then the whole conversation is about the brewery or the whole conversation is about business. And it's like, you know, I've just spent... 50 hours at the brewery this week. I don't want to spend the, the couple hours I have of, of enjoyment talking about business. Now, you know, it, it, there has to be a balance of some sort. Um, and so we've kind of over the course of the years has separated that uh, relationship. And so I kind of feel bad in a sense sometimes because we don't hang out as much as we used to. And, and um, you know, you know, communicate even dealing with our wives and stuff like that. Uh, but the appreciation is still there. The friendship is still there. Uh, we just don't hang out as much. I think there needs to be a healthy balance between business and friendship when it comes to partnerships. Um, and then also just business in general, uh, people you can trust, people who you can rely on, uh, you know, people who believe in your passion and what you're trying to do um, is definitely important. And so I know a lot of people end up in those situations to where they have the business partners, especially when their business partner are the minorities and they don't have a lot of control. They don't have a lot of influence. Uh, but the one thing about Weathered Souls that I can say is that, you know, Weathered Souls is my brewery. You know, this is 100 percent my beer, 100 percent, you know, the things that I create here. Um, I have 100 percent control over the brew floor, what comes out. You know, um, I pretty much help with him with marketing and branding and, and all of those type of things. And so to be able to have those opportunities, and especially when I didn't have to put in a single dime within the company, you know, those are, are big things to have. And so, you know, there's been those give and takes within this relationship. But at the end of the day, I can't do anything but appreciate the partners that I've had. It sounds like you made some great relationships in your life, Marcus, and done some things that are definitely worth being super proud of, especially that family you're raising. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, you know, kids will definitely test you and stress you out from time to time. And I uh, honestly used to be one of those people where I was like, I didn't want kids. 
but to have my two daughters and to be a girl dad and to be able to see my influence on them and, and watch them grow has been literally, you know, the happiest moments of my life. Um, when I'm sh literally stressed out and can't take it anymore, I usually ask the youngest to give me a hug and it just instantly changes my mood. So to be able to have them and, you know, uh, be able to kind of have that balance of family and work and, and grow from that um, has definitely been a blessing for me. Oh, I bet. Now, Marcus, I want to go back to a question I asked you to start that we really didn't get to the answer on. That question is, what are you going to be for Halloween, Marcus? I'm going to be Batman this year. Oh, I love it. Uh, Do you have your costume picked out and everything? Yeah, I already have my costume. So the youngest, she wanted to be a villain this year. They've been watching uh, DC superheroes on HBO. It's like the DC heroes and villains in high school. And so she wants to be Poison Ivy. And the youngest, she wants to be Starfire. And then so the wife is going to be Catwoman and I'll be Batman. Those pictures are going to be epic forever. Yeah, so we're going to be DC this year and it'll be me and my youngest against Mommy and Niara. Awesome. I hope you have an amazing Halloween, Marcus. Now, is there anything else you'd like to add today? No, um, I think we had a good array of conversation and questions and, you know, hit a lot of a lot of points. I hope people, you know, take the conversation and, you know, some of the little hidden gems within it. Check out that Kevin Hart book because that's really been good and Chasing Failure, which was another really good one. And those fathers that are out there that are having issues or need a break, definitely check out the podcast. Dad's work. Uh, that's been definitely something that has helped me family wise. A lot of really solid recommendations, and I appreciate you taking the time today just to talk, and I'm excited to continue following everything that you're doing in your life, and I hope that we get to grab a beer next time you're on the East Coast. Yes, but, sir, we'll make it happen. Well, but don't be afraid to tell me no. I will totally <laughs> understand. No, we'll make it happen. I got you. Awesome, Marcus. We'll have a wonderful rest of the day, and cheers, and see you before too long. All right. Thank cheers, you. Andrew. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Bye. If you like this content, please subscribe, share with other craft beer professionals, and give us a five-star review. Cheers.